Welcome to Definitely Maybe Agile, a podcast where Peter Madison and David Shurrock discuss the complexities of adopting new ways of working at scale. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Definitely Maybe Agile with your hosts, Peter Madison and David Shurrock. So what are we talking about today, Dave? So, Peter, I've been spending this week at uh, Agile 2023, just to put a, a 20, sort of a, a timestamp on today's conversation, surrounded by a lot of people talking about Agile practices and so on, but not so much on the technology side. There are technology talks here. I'm just not necessarily going to some of those. But what's happening is in the conversations in dinner, technology is still a big conversation. Um, architecture, things like this. So let's maybe revisit that. I don't think we've done touched on that for a while. Sure. And it, it's, a, it's an interesting interesting one, right? I, and I see this a lot uh, where new ways of working come to the forefront and it's like, we're all going to do agile. So we're going to form scrum teams and, and the scrum teams are totally capable of delivering everything all the way into production, except the underlying architecture and technology doesn't support that. Yeah. And it, it's very, very difficult because you're working across organizational boundaries in any kind of large system that makes this tough to do. So, and I, I've seen organizations when they start down a transformation journey where they've pretty much gone down the route of, uh, well, we're going to fire all the architects because so, the architects weren't doing anything useful anyway. Yeah. And, and dangerous, the, dangerous words, that one, isn't it? But yeah. and also that I think creates um, whether it's that specifically or but a lot of the time, the reality of that architecture and how tough it is to change creates a barrier to that change. It becomes an excuse or a reason to slow things down or to only take the change to a superficial level, for example. So not only is the architects accused of not doing things or not doing anything visible, but they're also everything that they have done is slowing the organization down, the transformation down, which I think is is definitely wrong. And, and I, I think that some of that comes from a, if you want to call it an old school architectural way of working where it would be, you have an architecture team that is sitting in an ivory tower, sending out edicts and for anything to move forward in the organization, it has to be ratified by the uh, people in gray cloaks and hoods who sit in that ivory tower and uh, class dictates on. And, uh, and, I, and I'm thinking of the, I, I know I know one organization that I've worked with that has two layers of this, where you go through the first sort of technical review. And uh, if it's deemed that your sins are bad enough, you get sent to the, uh, the really bad guys who'd like do a bigger review. But And all of this requires like 120-page um, decks and a lot of conversation. And and if there's feedback, if, if that larger group of people, say, only meets once every couple of months or once a quarter, and you have to go through a couple of iterations of that, you can very quickly see how this is just grinding everything to a halt in the organization. Well, and I always I always want to draw attention to the fact that I think that's a consequence of the system they're working in. So sometimes it feels like we're just pointing fingers at whatever it is. And, and of course, the architecture function is about stability, about scalability, and it has to be secure and stable and changed in a thoughtful, deliberate way. So back in the day, that was how they maintained that stability. But I think when you're when you're responding to change as rapidly as so many organizations are, when you're many of your your solutions your systems are in the cloud or partially in the cloud there's a lot more moving parts there's a lot more responsiveness needed in that architecture function i completely agree and i think that's that's often where that juxtapose is coming from that there's this if you have architecture hasn't evolved with the way that work has evolved and the rate of change has evolved into the systems, then it is going to become that barrier. But but many organizations have overcome and that and there are 
there are lots of other good models out there where we start to look at architecture in a slightly different light, where it isn't um, just the, the people with the expertise over here and everybody else has to listen to what they say. Uh, there's this, I mean, one part of that, and you and I have talked about this in the past, is this concept of uh, white box and black box architecture, thinking of the different uh, layers at which architecture occurs in the organization. Because um, architectures, architectural decisions are occurring all of the time throughout the, the organization. We look at like, how are we going to have this service talk to that service? What are the, like, how are we going to build this thing? Um, what does that all look like? And so architecture occurs within the the teams at the team level where uh, individual delivery teams are working out how they're going to solution the particular stories that they're working on at this time. Uh, it also then occurs at the system level within solutions architecture where we think about all of the components of the system. How do those components talk to each other? And that's all sort of what's happening inside the system. That's the white box architecture, the stuff that we see inside the system. And then you have the black box architecture where we, we can't see inside it, but we have all of these components, these systems across the organization, uh, where which need to talk to each other. And that's where enterprise architecture starts to come in. And the, and the other side of that that you're uh, seeing now over the past several years as well is the, the concepts around business architecture and how business architecture uh, lines in with this as well. And, as, and I think that's almost a product of the uh, more broadly adoption, more broad adoption of technology into different uh, aspects of the way that an organization operates. Well, we, we've talked many times about um, technology being a partner, a strategic partner and not something that is a service function and what you're describing that that means using i think a lot of the practices and the principles that we expect to see in a technology group but really across the business in some ways just because they're, they're there for a reason right they allow that, that standardization and repeatability and a lot of these different things that uh, digitization is going to bring together as well so yeah and then uh, it's that reduction in risk that comes from having standardized pieces that we know that we can pull on to Put together, it both helps us accelerate, but it also reduces the amount of risk there is in the system because we we've got more confidence in how these are going to behave. Um, so there's so there's all of those pieces that come in. It, it also, I mean, I know I've I've encountered this on a number of occasions. It seems to be one of the most common. Uh, ones is where somebody goes out and tries to reinvent something that's already built into the system. Uh, I, I, a classic example being the sort of authentication system. It's like not going to rely on the authentication system that exists. We're going to build our own. And, and then you end spending all of these cycles building something that doesn't really add any value to the product. They could have just used what's there. And so there's these pieces of that. So having that visibility into those is another critical aspect of what architecture is there to do. So, so talk a little bit about what you want to see. If you go and talk to an architecture group, what are the things that you're expecting to see if either, yeah, what, what do you want to see in a responsive, aligned architecture group for an organization that's that's changing rapidly? Uh, so it's happening at, uh, at different layers. So at the from the from the team level of architecture, where they, they need to have accountability and ownership of how they're going to put these together. So they need tools to be able to do that. They need to know what parts are available for me that I could start to build things out of. What patterns should I be following? Um, what does that look like? So there, so if so architecture providing them with that and being available for the conversations around how should I how should I go about doing this is is a definitely a, a key element that to be looking for at the at the solutions level architecture the solution architects one aspect of this is especially at that level that solution architects uh, are existing within a 
are not a, like a centralized team that gets pulled off in a million different directions all of the time. That they're that they have time to work within the domain to understand it over a period of time that they can see how the system starts to come together. Because I've I've seen that as a, a common barrier to success as well, where essentially uh, you pay by the hour for your solution architect, and uh, and the, the solution architect then goes off and does something else. At which point the context switching to another project, but I need a, another decision made, and now the context switching is going to kill you. You're not going to have the informed understanding of what the system is and how the system is evolving. Uh, so having better alignment between architecture and domains that they're operating in, I think is critical so that they can learn them in more depth. And then at the enterprise architecture layer, uh, it, it should be a more of a pull mechanism than a push where the enterprise architecture is looking at understanding the systems, pulling information from what's occurring to build up what the, the model of the interactive components are and not preparing 120 page decks to submit to a quarterly architecture review board. Uh, those occasions where that type of um, congruence is necessary uh, should be very, very rare and very, very far between. And uh, there may be reasons that you you need to do that. Like there's a, a sufficiently large architectural decision which will alter the direction of the organization that you feel that everybody needs to come together and have this. But um, but if it's, a, if it's a recurring event all of the time, then that's not necessarily a good way of going about it. The enterprise uh, architecture level that you're describing there, I've always liked the idea of um, uh, architecture as a service. And what I think of there, and I don't mean any technical solution in that sense, but what I mean, it's almost like a um, just in the same way a product owner is going to go out and talk to their customers and their clients and their end users to find out what problems they're dealing with and, and how can the product better serve the space that the end users, the customers are working in. The architecture team being, I, I really liked what you said about pulling the ideas in, is going out to see what the business is needing, where things are going, what's happening, so that the, the architecture becomes something that serves the greater, you know, the direction of that of those systems and the problems that they're trying to solve, rather than being something which is disconnected from what's really going on and is a sort of you know, thrown over and, and is the building within which the teams have to work, but they've not had any input into how it's been put together. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Yeah, it does. And I think, I think architecture also has that a role in going outside of the organization too building the chance yeah. to look at like, what else is there that uh, could solve some of these problems like what are we looking at what's coming down the pipe and um, how do we bring those things into the table as well i mean the pace of change in technology means that's a, increasingly essential right so thinking how many organizations get caught out with new technologies coming to the table just all the time we see that the ones that make it in the popular press but also lots and lots of changes under the hood as well that don't make it into the popular press that you know the architectural teams need to be aware of as they're coming through so they can make good decisions i think there's a piece too here where uh, there's clear understanding at every layer of the organization as to who's accountable for the technical architecture like who do who to go to to ask questions of so there's that clear this is who i need to tap on the shoulder when i have questions and making sure that that there's sufficient uh, slack in the system to enable that so that we can 
look at how we do things and learn and move forward and, and grow the organization in that sense as well. And of course, it's also the size of the organization plays a big part of this too, right? It's uh, in, in smaller organizations, it's much easier to, to keep all of that aligned. In larger organizations, you need more layers and more people and more scale to like create that alignment across everything. It's it's interesting. You, you talked about Slack a couple of times now, whether it's overloading the, the sort of architect by the hour problem or just Slack for, for architectural teams to, to look ahead and learn and discuss things. And a, a lot of that has to do with like, I, I see the, the best organizations, the architects are continuously communicating the architecture group continuously communicating to the development teams to to people who who have to use that architecture to understand their thinking to understand where to go how to solve problems what the intention is where it will work really well where it, so that education piece of communication and knowledge sharing is also such a hugely important piece sometimes we get bogged down with the problem in front of us. We're not taking that time to look ahead and look around and uh, and learn how people are solving problems and you know where where the, the challenges are coming from. And so one of the the key artifacts of course is design documentation and architecture and <laughs> which which always brings up an interesting piece, right? There is a piece where if I've got, I'm going to have a smaller number of architects than I do teams, almost certainly. And for the architects to be able to understand what the, the systems are doing, they need to be able to have a, some place they can go and look at that, or people they can go and talk to to understand what is the what is the architecture that we're working towards. How does it? How do these moving parts fit together? So there is a there's also from a from a risk perspective and many. In a more regulated industries, there is regulation around ensuring that do you have up-to-date design documentation that demonstrates like what the architecture of your system is. And so you there is reason to maintain this because external regulatory bodies see it as a risk too. So it's, I can say it's not just me. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, so, but uh, this sometimes comes into conflict with the... Uh, uh, the interpretation of Agile is not documenting anything. Well, I, I mean... I. I think it's more, it's, we don't, nobody really, I mean, there are definitely people who love documentation, but I think uh, many people who are, you know, at the cutting edge and working on things, the last thing they want to do is sit down and write everything thoughtfully down. So getting that, the right amount of documentation is so critical, of course, right? Yeah, there's a balance. I mean, it, it's, yeah. uh, I, I've got to be able to have something that I can look at to understand what are the core moving parts of this system and how are they being put together? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, Certain aspects, and, and from a security architecture perspective, for example, um, if we look at things like threat modeling, uh, to do threat modeling at scale across organizations, you need teams to be able to take that on themselves, which means they need to understand what that means. And as a part of that threat modeling exercise, they're going to have to create models of the data flows of the various component parts of their application to understand what talks to what and how does it talk to, how do each of the pieces talk to each other? Because, uh, I mean, those are some of the key things that we're going to look out for from a security perspective, like what does authentication look like? How are we uh, handling transfer of data between different components within the system? How is data being stored at rest? That type of thing. So we're, where is it being stored? So they, all of that that type of uh, information um, is critical. And uh, so to, to capture that, you're, um, you're going to write it down. <laughs> and so we need to know that that, but we also got to make sure that's being kept up to date. 
And so that requires that there is some effort being put into that. So there is a bit of overhead in ensuring that that documentation exists and is being kept up to date and that we're, we're maintaining that in some fashion. Uh, and there are a few different ways of going about this. And, and there's definitely tooling in the industry now that can take some of that burden off. Uh, but there's always, uh, and I think this is the other critical part in that architectural space is there's always that need for the conversation because we can't necessarily 100% trust what the documentation is going to tell us but we also need that relationship to say hey are we are we talking often enough about the kinds of things that you're doing and this how fast moving space that you're operating in um what else could i do to help you with like looking at your environment and helping you solve any problems that you have in front of you so i think we've kind of explored quite a range of different things there and, and it's as always i always love these conversations because we're opening up the doors to so many other things that we can dig into and chat about a couple of key takeaways if you're working for if any of our listeners are working in an architectural group is there questions they should go and ask or things they should go and look for what would you suggest so i think some of the key pieces for me are always like do do we know who the architects are are architects aligned to a particular business domain or a particular business architecture or are architects uh, basically you dial them up and you get them for an hour and then they disappear again uh, because if if you're operating in that ladder model then uh, you're what you'll find is that the architects that can have little understanding of your actual domain so what they may end up suggesting as a path forward may not even be the right way so thinking about how do I better align uh, my what I'm doing from business architecture perspective to the systems that I'm building, I think is a critical part. Thinking about the the conversation, the questions, the different layers of the organization, acknowledging that architecture is occurring everywhere. And how do we how do we capture that information and, and radiate it? Um, I think my third point would be uh, uh, avoid uh, ARBs as much as you possibly can, because uh, well, at least sequential ones. There, there are reasons that there are reasons that it would make sense to come together and review an architecture in in depth. But those tend to be uh, they should be few and far between. It shouldn't be that normal modus operandi is that we have a architecture review board every quarter, which would then set the cadence for any kind of innovation in the organization. Anything you would add? What I took away is that idea of Slack of just giving, and I and I'm just coming from conversations around you know huge capacity problems in so many of the organizations that we work in, and I think that recognition of Slack is so important. And I also love what you said about knowing who the architects are because I. Again, it's easy to push them off into a corner and we should not. We should be engaging and we should be bringing them into the conversations because they need to be more involved, not less involved. Definitely. Uh, so so with that, uh, anybody has any feedback, they can send it to us at uh, feedback at definitelymaybeagile.com. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe. Hit that button. That usually has a big thumb on it or something, I think. So, until next time. Until next time. Thanks again. You've been listening to Definitely Maybe Agile the podcast where your hosts, Peter Madison and David Sherrick, focus on the art and science of digital, agile, and DevOps at scale. 